Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here we are rolling along on this Friday afternoon. Q-Soups tomorrow. We'll get back to, to that in a second. But it's also a big uh, lacrosse weekend in the Dome. Duke will be in on Sunday. It's a 4 o'clock faceoff on a Sunday. So a little late in the day on a Sunday. It's a huge game for the Orange. Like the ACC is at a boffo start to the season. Now Syracuse needs to get in the party and grab one of these uh, wins. It's actually be there. They only have three ACC home games. They've already played one. This will be two, and then they only got one more later. So it's a it's a randomly pretty significant game for the Orange here as we arrive at the uh, first weekend of March. We'll get into that and uh, much more here with our next guest, ESPN lacrosse analyst, uh, Syracuse alum, and the whole deal, Paul Carcaterra. Paul, how you doing, man? Great to hear your voice, man. I was up in the Dome last week, Brian, and uh, I miss not seeing you over at that uh that next suite area with yeah. you and Kyle calling the game. It's not the same, man. Yeah, I'm ducking you, Kark. I'm ducking you. I can only I can only talk to you from a distance now over over here on the radio. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that game because you know you you saw the good, bad, and the otherwise of uh, what this season feels like it's going to be for Syracuse lacrosse last week. Uh, but this is completely off topic, uh, Kark, and it's just it's the only thing we've been talking about around here for a month, and it has nothing to do with lacrosse. So I want to ask you, this is more a Syracuse alum question for you and a guy that was, you know, an athlete and a big-time athlete here. When, when I say the words Jim Beheim to you, what, what hits you when I say that? Wow. If this was like one of these pie charts, 50-50 would hit me, right? I feel like, I feel like it's, a, uh, it's a very hot topic type of conversation with any alum. Like like you said, I'm not, I'm not a basketball guy. I play mm-hmm. lacrosse at Syracuse. I respect what Coach Beheim's done for so, so many years. And he's won a national championship. He's been to multiple Final Fours. But I think it comes a, a point in time in everyone's career that there's the, the next chapter, right? The, the exit strategy. Does he deserve to, to be part of that conversation? Of course. He's, he's earned the right to do that. Um, I don't know exactly how much longer he wants to stick around, but I think the, the program, whether it's a shakeup with the coaching staff, just um, you know, the, the, the inability sometimes to, to capture these, these high-profile recruits, uh, that's a reflection of, of the success or lack of success that you, you're having on the court. And I think the last couple of years, that's kind of been into question. Um, so, you know, I, I'm kind of torn. I, I think Coach Beheim definitely deserves to be part of the conversation in terms of what that next step is. But I also think at some point in time, um, we all are are at the precipice of, of, of just understanding what's, what's in front of us and regardless of what's behind us and the success that he's had. So... Um, it's tough. What are you guys all barking about? What's your feeling on it? Oh, we're just yelling about it nonstop. Kark, we're, we're just yelling. I mean, that, that's all we're doing here for the last. <laughs> Everyone's mad. You know, you lose four games. And, you know, we, we kind of harken back. It, it ties into lacrosse a little bit because, you know, your, your coach, Roy Simmons, he, he did it one way. Like, he, he stepped down almost like earlier than maybe he had to and handed it off to, to John Desco. And then we saw uh, how, how it ended for John a couple of years ago, you know, with some blowouts late in the season, kind of like what's happened to to Jim and basketball here in the last few weeks. So it's kind of interesting, I guess, how these situations have, you know, almost mirrored each other just to, you know, a little bit here with, you know, Hall of Famers, all three of these guys. 
You know, I, I think that's a great point. I think Roy Simmons definitely hung it up too early, and I'm very, very biased and so partial to him because of the opportunities he gave me, but also his coaching style and his ability to just always find creativity out of his players. I think the bottom line is this. I didn't expect to come on and, and, and talk basketball, but now that you brought it up, I think at the end of the day, you have to ask Jim Beheim, you have to ask the, the, the entire basketball staff, if you're going to stay, what is going to change, right? I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Like, what, what is going to change? Is there going to be, I don't know, some, some type of, of, of shakeup within the staff? Is there a different philosophy in terms of, of recruiting? Are you changing some, some systems with, with, within the schemes? Something has to probably change when you're at a point where, you know, you're, you're losing and the fan base is questioning, and, and then they bring – they, they bring the, the age into it, and, and I'm not a big fan of that. Like, I look at some of these older coaches, um, regardless of your age, if you still have your fastball, you still have your fastball. Like, I, I don't like the fact that when people are like, oh, he's 70 years old. Like, Nick Saban's 70, 71 years old. He has his fastball. There are guys who lose their fastball when they're, when they're 55 years old, right. and you can have a fastball to 78. So I'm not going to put the age factor into the Jim Beheim equation. I just think that there's got to be some kind of change and I don't even know what that change is because I'm not in the in the guts of the program. Yeah, you know, I didn't expect to ask you about this either, Kark, but it felt like a, an interesting perspective to to get because you you know, you've been adjacent to it for for so long that you know it, it's all we're talking about around here. But uh, there's a big lacrosse game this weekend with with Duke coming, and you were there for Carolina last week, and you know the heels you know pulled away late and kind of hammered it close there. What, what what did you make of that game? What what are you making of this Syracuse team right now? They're very young. It looks like they have. You know, some of the parts, they got a goalie, they can, their offense looks exciting every now and again, but it's not quite there. What, what, what are you making of uh, Gary Gate year two right now? So I think there's a ton of young talent on this team. And this is, this is kind of how I've put it all together in my head. There's four or five guys on the offensive end that, without question, could play or start on any ACC team. And the ACC, year in and year out, is, is right there as the best conference in college lacrosse, competing for national championships, always has teams in the top ten. So that just tells you they have four to five guys that I think nationally are at an elite level. Like Joey Spelina can play on any, any team. Um, Owen Hills can play on any team. Uh, Finn Thompson can play on any team. Alex Simmons can play on any team. There's a couple of other guys that would probably be in that mix, too. My biggest concern is, defensively, I'm not sure how many short-stick defensive midfielders and close defenders could fit into that same mold in terms of of pushing. Maybe there's one. Maybe there's two max. I think Tom Alexo, as a long-stick midfielder, is is a talent that could find his way on on any team. They really struggled to cover last week against North Carolina. There's just no two ways about it. If you watch their one-on-one defense, and a lot of people could question, oh, Coach Petromalo's got to get this defense fixed. The bottom line is, as much as I've just kind of glorified some of the young offensive talent, he doesn't have that same level of talent right now that's on the field that mirrors the offense. So schemes aside, like you could have all the schemes in the world. At the end of the day, when you're a defender and you're brought out to the corner or you're behind the cage and it is a one-on-one matchup, like you have to defend. There was a lot of unassisted goals in that game by North Carolina. Lance Tillman, Logan McGovern, those guys were taking our defenders 
um, to the rack. And when when I think of when I think of the overall defense for Syracuse, when you're starting to question your cover ability, you start getting antsy on the slide. And then the defensive help is it's kind of here nor there. And if you look at that game, there was also a lot of step down shots by Carolina. There was a shooting gallery a lot of times because I think the idea and the lack of confidence in the one on one defensive game forced the rest of the defense to show, to help maybe to slide too early, and then Carolina was catching balls, planting, ripping, back of the net. Yeah, we saw that, and this is now, it's three seasons in a row we've seen it, and it's been all different combinations. Like It was all different guys, for the most part, on defense, and obviously a goalie last year with Petro. Then then two years ago with Desco and Leland Rogers, uh, a completely different group still. And and it just felt like, Kark, in those seasons, like when they had those issues, like those were runs that wore on you in a way when the season went on (laughs) that it almost became worse, right? Because then the guessing and stuff of trying to cover it up becomes even more, and and it almost becomes easier on, on the other team's offense later in the year. 100%. The thing that was concerning to me, too, when you're watching Syracuse, and if you're a Syracuse fan going to that game, if someone told you that Syracuse would win 47% of the face-offs against North Carolina, knowing what you had in Will Mark in the first four games, like you'd feel pretty confident about that game. And, you know, 47%, obviously, it's under 50%, but the way that 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 position was projected throughout the course of the year to go against the elite, you'd take that probably every time. Knowing that you have a goalie, Will Mark's one of the better goalies in the last five, ten years at Syracuse. Like I think he's got really, really high potential. He's a big guy. The only knock on him sometimes is he bites a little bit low. And if you watch the tape, there was a lot of changing of levels with some of these shots from North Carolina, where they had their stick low, got Mark to bite low, and they they stung it high. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was concerning to me when you win faceoffs, um, and and you're still. You're still not winning a game that I thought was winnable on paper going into the weekend. And it, it's a little concerning because then you put too much pressure on the way that you cleared. Like you almost have to clear perfectly. If you're not getting, if you're not getting goaltending and faceoff play, your, your margin for error is really, really slim in this sport. You have to, you have to clear at, a, at an elite level over 90%. You probably have to ride where the opponent's only clearing in the, in the mid to high 70s. And then you have to win the ground ball war at war and not turn the ball over. That's a lot to ask of a team, right? Like you, you, you almost have to play perfect in all those other areas. Mm-hmm. And we've seen over the, over the course of the last couple of years, that's, that's tough to do with, with an inexperienced defense or a defense that's still finding their groove. There is some young talent on that defensive side. It's not at the level of the offensive, uh, offensive talent, but I like Landon Clary in spots and um, Nick Kakamo in spots. Uh, Caden Cole in spots, but consistently, like they haven't all really shown together as one that they could play at a really, really high level. They've shown spurts. This guy had a really good game. Like Clary played really well the first couple games. I thought Kakamo had a had a good game, and then maybe had an off game against North Carolina. But Riley Figueres, who's out for the season, was the top-rated defender in the country. That was a big blow not having him. And then I think Billy Dwan is another guy to watch. I think as the season progresses defensively, he'll get more and more opportunities. He's a really smart defender. He's 6'4", 6'5", 
knows how to play the inside. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him down the road. Yeah, I mean, nobody should understand uh, defense better than you'd think a guy with the last name of uh, Dwan, considering his dad and family and the whole thing. So we'll see how that uh, plays out down the line. Paul Carcaterra, ESPN, is our uh, guest. And, uh, Paul, th- this sounds half dumb, but uh, half might work out for the Orange. But despite you know losing that game last week, uh, last Saturday may have actually been big picture a good day for Syracuse and their chances of making the tournament. When you look at you know uh, what Notre Dame did with uh, their beating of uh, Georgetown, what uh, what uh, Duke did beating a Penn, and then what uh, Virginia did beating Ohio State, like the ACC off last year in those games has won them all <laughs> this year, except for Syracuse uh, versus Maryland. It feels like like the Orange may only need to pick off a couple of ACC games. Now, that's easier said than done, but uh, to make the tournament this year, if you, if you look down the line. No, I think you're spot on because I think the, you know, the, the strength of schedule and, uh, and all, and all the, the math behind uh, making the tournament uh, is, is, is definitely in the ACC's favor because it's a, it's a bizarre sport where the best play the best at a conference. It's not like college football mm-hmm. where you have maybe you have that one big game. Everyone plays everyone in lacrosse, and that's what makes it really, really fascinating. And so many of those contests happen in the month of February. The last two weeks have been insane in terms of top 20 at-a-conference matchups, and the ACC has fared really, really well. So if Syracuse can continue to win the out-conference games on their schedule, there's some big ones down the road. Princeton's going to be a monster game. You obviously have to take care of Hobart. This is the first year they're not playing Cornell. I know everyone in central New York's not happy about that, but that's the reality. That would have been an opportunity for them. But you're, you're spot on. If, if they can pick off an ACC win or two and take care of business at a conference and beat a Princeton right. and, and, and have those types of victories on their schedule, and you know you got to root for, for either Albany or Vermont to win their conference. Those are two of your wins already. But that's, that's not the world that Syracuse lacrosse wants to live in. Like, no. I know that sounds okay for now. Like, the world that Syracuse lacrosse wants to win in is like they're making the tournament no matter what. They're challenging for a national championship. The world, the world of living in, like, let's get an ACC win. If you're a fan, you're talking to another fan. That, that's, not, that, that's not how Syracuse should be. That's not how Syracuse, I don't think, is going to be. Like, I have a lot of faith in Gary Gate. I think he's going to get... He's going to get the last laugh in this one. I, I, I find that he's going to get the elite talent, give him some time. They have to fix some things. Um, you know, John Desco, who was my assistant coach, was, was a phenomenal coach. He had five national championships. Um, he was part of all 11 national championships. Um, was able to recruit top-end talent. Towards the end, there was a little bit of a drop-off. But John Desco did, and his staff, recruit the majority of this freshman class mm-hmm. outside of Finn Thompson. So they, he left some talent, but there was, there was gaps in terms of depth. And I think that, I think that Gary Gates evaluating all this stuff and they have to get better in the middle of the field. They're going to have some transfers coming in the next couple of years. That I think are going to help the program. Um, but the ACC and going back to peeling off a win or two, the tough thing about the ACC is it is an alpha attack league. You look at, Virginia has Connor Schellenberger. If if Syracuse had trouble defending North Carolina's attack, good luck defending Connor Schellenberger from Virginia and the Cavanaugh's from Notre Dame. Like it doesn't get easier. 
Yeah, or Brendan O'Neill coming up this uh, Sunday. Yeah, in the yeah, it's, exactly. it's every, I didn't even mention that guy. It, it, it's everybody. It's it's crazy. Like, and looking at this league, Clark. I mean, Virginia's number one right now, and certainly well deserved. Do you, do you think they are, are they clearly the best team in the country uh, right now, or or is the gap small in your mind at this point? I think it's 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 smaller than a lot of people think. Um, I, I think the second best team in the country is Notre Dame. And, and I thought Notre Dame was the second best team in the country last year behind Maryland. Yeah, me too. Um, when the season ended, I thought I thought they were incredible, and their chemistry is is at another level this year. Chris Cavanaugh, who was a freshman last year, playing with his brother Pat. Pat Cavanaugh had twenty seven points against Syracuse the last three games. His brother Chris is playing at that level, gained fifteen pounds. Um, he's he's that second dodging option for Notre Dame. That team is scary, and they're playing with purpose. Like I, I think that team is 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 on a mission. When they play Virginia in late March, that's going to be the game of the year. But the beauty of lacrosse, like I said, who does Notre Dame have tomorrow at a conference? Maryland, wow. top four team in the country. So like everyone plays everyone. So like the, the narratives and, and and who's best and 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 who's the team on the rise? It, it changes weekly prior to the week-in and week-out conference tilts because of the fact that all the best teams play each other in lacrosse at a conference. Yeah, that's the fun of the college lacrosse regular season. I mean, we love the tournament and the whole thing, but man, there's like no duds of weekends because these games exist every week. Then we'll be in ACC play, and like no matter what combination you toss together, you're getting one of those games uh, with ACC play. Uh, you got a game this weekend, Carco? What do you got coming up? I, I actually don't. This is the last. This is the last Saturday of the entire spring uh, that I don't have one. I do have a game Tuesday though. I have, I have Hopkins, Virginia. Okay. Um, down in Homewood Field on Tuesday, and then next week I'm out in South Bend uh, doing Ohio State, Notre Dame, and a couple weeks I have Maryland, Virginia. Um, so it's going to be a great month. Like my schedule is awesome for this month. So fired up. We have a heavy, heavy dose of, of hoops. We started our conversation with hoops with Syracuse and, and Coach Bayon. We have a heavy dose of, of hoops on our on our network um, this weekend. So a little bit lighter in the lax, but starting next week we'll be we'll be super heavy. Yeah, conference tournament weekend. So there's a lot of that going on. But yep, uh, hey, that's, exactly. that, that schedule you just listed out. Uh, there's no duds in that. That's a that's a strong schedule you got coming out. All right, Kark, always good to chat. I'm sure I'll see you soon, and uh, enjoy it, man. We'll talk again in a, a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, thanks sure. for everything. All right, yep. that, that is, yep, Paul, be well. that Thank is you. Paul Carcaterra from ESPN, who's better than Kark to talk some uh, lax with. I think we've, we've run through the whole ESPN uh, A lacrosse team over the course of the last month at Kark Quint and uh, Anishan over the last uh, few weeks. Good to chat with all of them and uh, get Kark's thoughts on that. You know, just thought it'd be interesting to toss a little... Didn't prep him on that at all. Didn't really occur to me to ask him that until a little bit ago, to ask him about Bayheim too. I mean, he's a guy, graduated in 97. He, he was like, Bayheim was here before, Bayheim was here after. That goes for most, but, you know, he was in a locker room right down the hallway. He saw it all. He he knows it all. What? How does it hit him? How did it hit him? So that was interesting to hear as well uh, from Kark. We'll take a break. Come back. Got a little man who sort of knows. Get you some picks. We got Mario coming up at the top of the hour. Your calls after that as well here on the program on a Friday. It's 315-437-7644. The number to keep in mind down the line. We're back after this on QSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio.